You're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and at DCAUReview.com. Now, here's today's episode. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 129 of the DCAU Review. Wow, that's crazy to say. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Cal, with me, my good friend, good brother, and the gentleman that runs our Twitter page. That's right. It is Liam. Liam, as we wrap up our month of Justice League Unlimited here, we have one more episode that we'll be covering. And uh, before you stop me, yes, we have one additional episode here in the month of October. We'll talk about that a little bit later on what we'll be covering. But this week, we wrap up our Justice League Unlimited coverage for the month with a pivotal first season episode. And boy, am I excited to talk about it. Absolutely. As you mentioned, we're staying for this last week that we'll be covering JLU, not the last week of October. Uh, We will be covering a pretty important one the next chapter in this sort of early groundwork laying for what will become the kind of the big tentpole arc of the second season that of course being the Cadmus arc and yeah here today to talk about that we're talking about an episode that not only has a bunch of those connections and introduces some of our players that will become very important in that in that uh, storyline but it also features quite a few homages and references to uh, earlier incarnations of Justice League in animation. So quite a bit to get into with today's episode where we're talking about Ultimatum. Yes, Liam, uh, very excited to do that. And we will have the official IMDb synopsis in just a second here from you, as we always do. Uh, Before we do, we'll, we'll let you know this episode originally aired on Cartoon Network back on December 4th, 2004. So, Liam, that means we're coming up on the 16 year anniversary of this uh, this episode in just a few short weeks here. Uh, but uh, yeah, so why don't you hit us with that IMDb synopsis so we can get into our four categories today? Absolutely. And this is for the episode Ultimatum, which was written by Dwayne McDuffie and J.M. DeMatteis, directed by Joaquin DeSantos, with music by the Dynamic Music Partners and animation by DR Movie Company. And that synopsis reads as such. A team of two good-to-be-true superheroes find out the truth about their origins and go on a rampage. All right. I'm going to give that one a C-. Short, sweet, to the point, uh, but leaving out some some somewhat major details, which will give us a a good segue to begin talking about the plot here, Liam. Uh, So as we we learn here at the beginning of the episode, uh, despite the fact that the Justice League probably has the biggest roster of superheroes in the entire world, universe, galaxy, however you want to put it, uh, there are some newcomers on the scene here that are stealing a little bit of their thunder. geniuses dug right into the Earth's magma. Never occurred to them that there'd be anything living down there. Not to worry, fellow heroes. The Ultimate are here. Not them again. Yes, so we are introduced right at the start to the Ultimen, which is a a crew of uh, young, I guess like 
somewhere between teenage to 20 something heroes um, who are, as we come to find out, sort of this uh, product of a, of a government uh, government run superhero team. They are, they uh, have a very good kind of PR about it. They're very kind of kind, but they're also very sort of, like there's a lot of little digs thrown in in the way specifically their their leader uh long uh sorry not long shadow uh wind dragon speaks um letting letting everyone know that the justice league is old news and that they're here to uh not necessarily replace them but uh, it's it's very it's all very super superficial and sort of PR sanitized language for talking about how hey cool superheroes in town and you don't need the justice league anymore is basically what it boils down to yeah, we uh, we we get the opening scene here, and as you said, their first interaction and our first introduction. Uh, despite the fact that this is n- apparently not the first time that the Justice League has run into the Ultimen, uh, they mention that uh, they they keep seeming to cross paths, and it's revealed that uh, they have actually extended the invitation to the Ultimen to join the Justice League or Justice League Unlimited. And uh, so far, the Ultimen have been reluctant to join for some sort of ambiguous unknown reason, or they're not very clear to the Justice League. They kind of say that they're not quite ready yet. And uh, so this first interaction comes because uh, there is a, looks like an oil rig somewhere off the coast that is drilling into the core. And there are these magma monsters or volcanic monsters or whatever they are, creatures that come out and begin attacking the workers on this oil rig, which allows the uh, appearance of Wonder Woman, Superman, Aquaman, and Batman, who are our four members of the Justice League that really play into this, uh, despite the fact, I mean, w- not counting the the cameos at the end of the episode, they are the four members that we really see throughout this episode. Yeah, uh, similar to an episode we covered a few weeks ago, uh, Kid Stuff, we have this sort of, uh, this, four, these, this four-person team, it's the Trinity plus one, and in that case, it was Green Lantern, but yeah, this week we have Aquaman as the fourth here, and uh, I gotta say, from a from a story perspective, I don't necessarily know how like integral the guy who can swim under, you know, who can breathe underwater and talk to fish was to the episode. But uh, I like Aquaman's inclusion just because it's a character that, while we know him better than maybe some of the other uh, new ro- new roster of heroes, he's still a, a character that's only appeared a few times. So it's kind of cool to get a little bit more, a little more FaceTime with Aquaman in this episode and to have him sort of be established here as even though he isn't one of the founding members of the league, he's still obviously pretty high up in the echelon and he's sitting at the big conference table with, with Batman and Superman and and Wonder Woman throughout this episode and is kind of right, right there and kind of put on equal footing with those, with those three. Uh, yeah, it was, it's interesting to get him kind of involved in this. And I, I read, you know, doing some research on this episode, read that the speculation was that Aquaman, because he was a founding member in the Super Friends, that this was an homage to that. And that's why they included him in the in the four here, along with Wonder Woman, Superman and Batman. Yeah, I like that. I like that. And like you said, there's there's a lot of uh, homages, as we mentioned, beyond that. Uh the lava men that they fight at the beginning of the episode are, are reminiscent of a of a enemies that they face on a particular episode of Super Friends as well. 
So as well as the the inside of the Ultimates headquarters appears to be at least somewhat modeled on the the classic Super Friends Hall of Justice. So yeah, there's a lot of uh, cute kind of homages there, and yeah, including that as sort of our main team as part of that is yeah, it, it adds to the uh, to the overall atmosphere they're going for, which is it's interesting because there's all of those cartoons are very light and surface level and. You know, I think I think anyone who watched them when they were younger probably has a special place for them. But to contrast all of this kind of silly super friend stuff with a pretty, uh, by the end of it, a pretty dark and uh, disturbing plot of the government looking to build their own team of subservient superheroes, and knowing full well that they that these cloned bodies that they put them in are not going to last, they have you know, legions of, of clones of all these characters that they are ready to just replace the current ones with. And they just sort of fill their heads with fake memories and then hire actors to play their families. So they feel like they're real people, but in reality, they're sort of this puppet of, uh, of uh, this, as we come to find out later, will be this project Cadmus. Yeah, as we said, this plays uh, this plays well into the future here uh, of Justice League and Justice League Unlimited, obviously, in the second season. Uh, and we are introduced to a couple characters in this like shadowy uh, government uh, government agency. Of course, this is the very first appearance of one Amanda Waller, who, of course, mm-hmm. is the antagonist for uh, that second season and plays a, a gigantic role in in all things that end up in this Cadmus storyline. And we also get the uh, introduction of uh, Maxwell Lord also, uh, who uh, we also have been introduced to, uh, who is in main DC continuity and um, of course plays plays a role. He's sort of the the face, maybe the PR man of the Ultimen and seems to be uh, ultimately the reason, no pun intended, ultimately the reason why Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman are very distrusting of this group. And, well, Batman, Superman, and Aquaman, Wonder Woman seems to be willing to give them uh, the benefit of the doubt. She has this sort of flirtatious, uh, we, well, she's not flirtatious. It's sort of one-way flirtation between her <laughs> and the member Long Shadow. It seems to her this. She, it seems to me that her view of the relationship is one more of a, uh, of a mentor mentee type relationship while long shadow is clearly a little bit smitten with wonder woman and, and looking to try and, and maybe join the justice league at some point. And, um, so it, Maxwell Lord's appearance, Batman knows who he is and, and figures out kind of from the get go that something is not, is not right here and something smells bad. <laughs> I can't listen to any more of this. This guy's dripping more oil than that platform ever did. And he has the gall to take cheap shots at us. I know Maxwell Lord. All he cares about is money. Well, it takes money to do what we do. And not everyone's independently wealthy. Lord's a walking ego who'd do anything for a buck and some free publicity. If he's involved in this, it isn't about helping people. I don't know about Lord, but I think these ultimate have potential that should be encouraged. Especially Long Shadow. I admit, they're a little overeager. But they're really a nice bunch of kids. Yeah, this version of Maxwell Lord. In the books, he was sort of originally this like uh, PR like liaison for the Justice League. And then eventually he turned out to be evil and they gave him psychic powers, you know, comic book stuff. But uh, but uh, yeah, in here, he's just kind of, again, playing that role of kind of like this sleazy PR guy who sort of runs the business side. They mentioned sort of in passing how... 
uh, the Ultimen all have sort of merchandising deals. We even see some of their action figures and posters and things on the wall of their uh, their clubhouse. And and they're they're talking about how you know the the stand-ins for the Wonder Twins, Shifter and Downpour, are very big with teen with tweens and and whereas law whereas uh you know wind dragon is m- much more popular with the with the 18 to 34 and things like that so it's so he's yeah just kind of this sleazy pr business manager type role i guess the same kind of lampooning like you know the type of guy who would be in charge of like a boy band or something um so it's, it is interesting to have that kind of side of it and again much like we talked about earlier this month when we looked at fearful symmetry it is yet another example of this children's cartoon sort of looking at the cozy relationship that kind of sleazy uh, big corporate power can have with uh, with government with government um, specifically in this case the U.S. government. So it's interesting to again see that sort of tied in. And yeah, they don't they don't say it expressly, but the implication being that I guess Batman Batman knows knows Maxwell Lord from probably business dealings with him as as bruce wayne and so you're yeah, having that little wrinkle of it as as kind of giving the justice league a reason to be suspicious and as you mentioned cal there's sort of this subplot revolving around long shadow wanting to join the justice league but the rest of the team and and max lord being really not for it at all for for various reasons and then uh at the same time um uh, wonder woman sort of taking an interest in him as you said it's to sort of mentor him and her being a little less suspicious of it. And of course, like we said, from there, it's they, uh, they begin to develop new powers, which uh, leads to them getting some tests run on them by one Professor Hamilton. Your favorite incarnation uh, of Professor Hamilton, too. Sucks. His it brother, his, his brother, Alexander. Yes, Alexand- <laughs> Professor Alexander Hamilton here uh, running tests on, on them. And again, like I said, they sort of find out that they're these clones that they've had memories implanted into their brains that they had actors uh, pretend to be their, their families and sort of their whole lives come down around them. And once they realize that they sort of come to this conclusion that they're going to take revenge on this government facility that spawned them. And then in the midst of that, as they continue to kind of have a breakdown, the justice league show up to save them and, uh, Again, and I guess they sort of attribute it to the uh, the degenerative nature of whatever uh, disease is causing them to deteriorate. But Wind Dragon decides that the only way that the Ultimen, this version of the Ultimen, will be remembered is if they kill the Justice League. I say we just bring the whole building down right on top of us. Don't give up hope yet, Downpour. We've got friends in high places. You idiot. Do you really think that they can help us? Whatever's going on, we'll do everything in our power to... Yes, power. That's what it always comes down to, doesn't it? And that's the only way we'll ever be remembered. If we're the ones who take down the Justice League, the world will never forget us! Listen to yourself. You're not making any sense. You're getting sicker. Translation? They're afraid to face us. No! As the man said... You're either with us or against us. All of the members, except for Long Shadow, uh, sort of go along with it. And 
Yeah, it's it's sort of a turn out of left field. And it's interesting because when when we are told when Amanda Waller shows up and, uh, you know, has this conversation with Max Lord and Professor Hamilton, we we learn that they are, you know, breaking down and Maxwell Lord, at least initially, doesn't doesn't want to kind of pull the plug on these ones. He sort of seemingly developed some sort of compassionate relationship with them. And uh, and Amanda Waller actually threatens to bring in the squad if he mm-hmm. can't get a hold over this. So obviously here a little bit of foreshadowing as we know that uh, Task Force X, a.k.a. the Suicide Squad, does play a role later on in uh in the storyline so that you know she she's ready to pull the plug or forcibly pull the plug no matter what and really kind of reveals her ruthless nature and then ultimately once once long shadow as he's developing these additional powers as they are he kind of gets super hearing and apparently is able to overhear this conversation and then like you said they they determine everybody except long shadow determined that the way that they are going to be known is by killing the justice league which again sort of comes out of nowhere because before this <laughs> they they were just like i don't know they were slightly rebellious teenage teenagers slash early you know early 20s superheroes and now it's like all right we're going full evil with these guys except for long shadow who doesn't have that urge to kill the people that are trying to be compassionate <laughs> Yeah, we like we, like we said the story at the beginning of the episode. There's sort of some like backhanded compliments from uh, from Wind Dragon and uh, where he's talking about, oh, Superman can't help it that he's getting old. So like it's, I guess that's that's supposed to be like our our build up or our our foreshadowing is that right. you know he he's already sort of has this somewhat antagonistic view of the Justice League and kind of sees them as obsolete already. Um, and then later on, when when Long Shadow's kind of arguing with with Maxwell Lord in front of them about how he wants to join the Justice League, um, and 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 Wind Dragon again has some line about like, "Oh, I just, you know, I used to think that way, but then I grew up or, or something like that." And so I guess that's a little bit of foreshadowing for it. But yeah, to go from from being sort of a little bit kind of yeah smirky, you know, his his crap doesn't stink, all the way to let's murder the greatest heroes who have ever lived is, 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 I don't know that that turn is completely earned. I guess, like you said, the, the, they've gotten more and more desperate and they feel like there's, there's nothing left that they can do that will have any meaning besides that. But it still feels like we just need an excuse to have a fight at the end a little bit. Well, that, and that, that does lead to what is ultimately, I, I think other than that opening battle between these lava monsters and the ultimate injustice league, this is the only real strong action beat other than I guess the ultimate trying to escape the Cadmus tower. Um, this is sort of the, the climax and really where the action really comes into play. And you see these, you know, these homages to the super friends and their powers. Um, you know, uh, I don't think we, if we, I don't know if we actually listed the, the uh, homages to them specifically, but of course the characters uh, we had surge who was uh, a stand in for black Vulcan. We have, um, we have juice actually. Oh, it is juice. I don't know why I thought it was. I surge. also at some point had surge in my notes. So <laughs> 
<laughs> maybe they said surge at some point. I don't know. So juice is a stand-in for black Vulcan. Wind dragon, as you mentioned, is a stand-in for samurai. Long shadow, as we already mentioned, is a stand-in for Apache chief. And then downpour and shifter are stand-ins for Zan and Jaina, who were, of course, the Wonder Twins. Uh, there's mm-hmm. also a stand-in, a little homage to Wonder Dog, Uh, who was sort of a Scooby-Doo looking character that was introduced, I think, into the very late runs of the Super Friends and maybe the Super Friend comic also, I think. Yes. Um, Uh, Go ahead. And yeah, they had, had, there was like another brother-sister duo who I don't think had powers called Wendy and Marvin. And they had, yes, they had uh, the one, Rex the Wonder Dog as their, uh, their dog. And uh yeah, that was definitely part of one of the various incarnations there. I think we've talked about that briefly before, but there was like 18 different versions of that Super Friends cartoon. Right. So they would have different rosters and, and different characters on each of them. But yes, I think, yeah, this was sort of a one. Interesting, though, that considering they went with this Wonder Twins, that it wasn't a uh, genetically altered monkey, because you would think uh, uh, Gleek would be the the reference to make here rather than Wonder Dog. Correct. Yeah, I guess. Uh, so Dwayne McDuffie was the one who was responsible uh, for this cameo, and uh, it's actually the the dog itself is modeled off of. Uh, there's if we haven't gotten to that episode yet in our reviews of Batman Beyond, but the episode Ace in the Hole, uh, <laughs> there are some genetically mutated dogs that uh, are part of a dog fighting ring that ace gets involved or gets uh, kidnapped and, and placed into and uh, this dog appears to be somewhat made up similar to that so i guess that's another retroactive easter egg of uh these dogs are also a response a responsibility of cadmus uh cadmus origins also so uh, very interesting with that. But um, yeah, so we we get to see these powers sort of manifested very similar to the ones that we used to see in Super Friends. And uh, we get the battle that we were looking for that, you know, at the, maybe that we suspected at the beginning of the episode would ultimately happen. And we get Superman and, and Batman and Wonder Woman and Aquaman versus these uh, and uh, Long Shadow, who is uh, sides with the Justice League uh, against the Ultimen. And uh, we get a lot of a lot of battle between the uh the the uh wonder twin stand-ins here with downpour and shifter battling against aquaman they have a a battle underwater uh uh, that seemed to be the (laughs) downpour i guess that's the name is like they just turned into liquid which i guess is what what zan used to do in super friends but yeah strictly liquid things but of course he picked a fight with aquaman which ends up being funny and uh ultimately of course the the justice league prevail and at the end the cadmus shows up to reclaim what is rightfully theirs and uh batman and superman and wonder woman and aquaman stand between cadmus and long shadow because uh he doesn't want to go with them and they don't want them to take them and batman is certainly very concerned and interested about who this uh shady government agency is that seems to be reclaiming these heroes and we get an interesting uh certainly an interesting initial interaction between batman and amanda waller setting up their uh their storyline going forward yeah that is kind of the big uh the big reveal of this episode beyond just that we get the the first mention of the name cadmus and the introduction of the characters, uh, that being Amanda Waller, obviously, is that, yes, at the end, it is, you know, pretty directly and 
Uh, there's no, not really any ambiguity. Like she makes it clear she knows who Batman is and she kind of know and would, th- would therefore imply that she knows who all of the Justice Leaguers with, with secret identities are and, and sort of tells, tells him to back off and not look too, too much into it. But they, they do allow uh, the Justice League to uh, take Long Shadow with them. But yeah, it's, it's a real, uh, it's a real, it's not a direct cliffhanger in the sense that like there's some, uh, some you know great thing that it's like oh to like a big to be continued part where it's like in the middle of an action scene it fades to black but it is a pretty great again a nice little tease very similar to the end of uh, fearful symmetry where it just lets you know we're just getting started here and this foe will not be like any normal foe that we have seen these people wrestle with uh, from you know the original Batman animated series up through now and that this is really going to be an entirely different animal. You need to step back. Not going to happen. Long Shadow's with us. Safeties. Mine are bigger than yours. Stand down. He's free to go with you for however long he's got. Who are you people? That's a national security matter. And if I were you, I wouldn't probe the situation too closely, rich boy. Yeah, absolutely. We're setting things up nicely here uh, for a lot, uh, a lot of interesting things to come here. So um, I guess, Liam, we can get into the plot here or, you know, get into our scores for our plot as we've kind of d- reviewed the whole episode at this point. So um, I will say this, knowing what comes after this, this is an exciting episode. But as like in a bubble, this episode in and of itself, there is it's kind of a weird episode because it it has to do a lot of setting up of these characters and kind of makes you feel for these characters, these ultimate but you end up hating most of them because they end up doing this kind of out of left field. We're going to be straight up evil turn, except for long shadow who ultimately seems to be redeemed or not redeemed, but had this heart of gold from the beginning and the justice league sort of takes home with them, but this is his final appearance. So we are led to believe at least based on the fact that we don't see him again, that he dies or that, you know, they are not able to prevent his death. So he sort of is invited to the justice league. And then we don't really get an answer as to what happens to him. So this is sort of like a weird, at least to my knowledge, we don't get any, we don't get any comment about him passing away or them like letting him retire on a farm someplace or something. It's he appears on, appears on the watchtower and to this triumphant entrance. And then, well, that's it. And we do get Ultimate later on, but we don't see this version of the Ultimate later on. So it, it feels kind of weird that some things are left open and we had these these versions of these characters introduced here, but this is kind of a self-contained episode in that way. Yeah, I, it is interesting the way that's, that's sort of laid out where, yes, whereas this is obviously an important part because of what comes later on involving uh, not only Amanda Waller, but yes, versions of the Ultimate do show up again. But these these versions that have like their own distinct personalities and feelings and and everything do not exist after this episode. So yeah, I, I was I was just kind of thinking like yeah, like the second we fade to black, like 
Longshadow's eyes just rolled in the back of his head and he collapsed. Like <laughs> I was just kind of thinking, I was like, and then never talk about it again. <laughs> this was a weird idea, Wonder Woman. And you know, <laughs> we washed our hands of it. Um, oh, man. But yeah, that that is kind of a an unawkward thing where they, they sort of set up, and you would think that either yes, there would be some throwaway dialogue in a later Cadmus episode, or you might see him in the back, if he did survive, that you would see him in the, at least in the background of some of the later episodes, but you do not. So we are, we are left with only one, uh, one choice in my opinion. And that is that the second this episode ends, he died. I mean, it's canon until proven otherwise. (laughs) Um, yeah. So because of that and because of the, like, there is some fun stuff in here and being, you know, we, I think we've, we've touched on it a little bit that, you know, we got to experience some of the super friends in its reruns on Cartoon Network. And, you know, there's, I don't think, I don't know that it necessarily holds the place in our hearts that maybe that someone grew up on those series, like watching them in their original airings Mm -hmm. does, so I appreciate the homages, but it's a little bit, I think it's a little bit one generation below us or, you know, half a generation maybe below us. Um, so because of that, because of, I mean, I do appreciate that, but because it's not all in the warm and fuzzies, I think uh, looking at the story as a whole, looking at the sort of unresolved nature of what it ultimately uh, ends with and uh it looking at it as as a contained episode i went ahead and gave a plot a six out of ten yeah i'm right in that same ballpark there i gave it a seven out of ten like i said i do i do like it i think it's it's fun because of all the homages because we get you know in the case of aquaman a character that we don't necessarily get to spend a lot of time with here in a prominent role um, and because of what it sets up, however, I think what we've talked about sort of being the the downfall is that these characters, again, uh, aside from Amanda Waller, none of these characters in this form really ever come back. Maxwell Lord doesn't really come back. Um, and and obviously, like we said, the Ultimate do return, but not this version of them. So it's it's the stuff that's good is really good, but the, the rest of it is just kind of these these kind of little ancillary stuff that doesn't really end up doesn't really add a lot to what ends up being sort of the final product of this war between the justice league and cadmus uh, i i agree all right liam let's move on to our next category which is going to be visuals and animation so uh, we've sort of alluded to some of the things here this week uh, but what stood out for you as far as uh, highlights for different things that we saw visually and maybe in the animation well, yeah, as as we talked about, there isn't a lot of traditional superhero action in this episode. Also kind of like a lot of superhero, uh, super friends cartoons. <laughs> um, but we, we, yeah, we get this opening scene of these lava monsters uh, that apparently were disturbed by an oil rig that was drilling too close to the Earth's core. Um, we get to see the Justice League and the Ultimate dealing with those. That's, I mean, that's a fun enough action. It's just these kind of generic looking they kind of look like uh, magma from the terrific trio. Yep. They don't, they don't have like eyes and mouths, but otherwise they look, they look pretty similar to, uh, to those designs. Um, and then we have uh, other than that, obviously we've already kind of touched on the final battle and we'll get more into that in a second. I do think it is worth mentioning 
in the middle of the episode, we talked about it in plot that there's this subplot of, of long shadow wanting to work with the justice league and, and sort of teaming up with wonder woman uh, on the side a little bit. And we do get this kind of wacky, like two minute scene where Giganta is trying to break Grodd out of prison. And in the midst of that, she has in fact brought help in the form of Bizarro. So we have a, you know, a returning villain from Superman, the animated series here. And it's like, it's a pretty brief bit. Like Giganta is kind of walking around in her giant form. And then Long Shadow shows that he can also grow to enormous sizes, which sort of neutralizes her. And then we just sort of get this brief fight between Wonder Woman and Bizarro. That being said, it was kind of cool to just throw in a couple random villains and have, have Wonder Woman fight them for a minute. Yeah, that's always, I mean, two giants fighting each other is always fun. And uh, I don't think we've covered the episode yet where Giganta makes her initial appearance, uh, which I think is Secret Society. We've mm-hmm. not covered that yet. But uh, yes, her making an, an appearance here was was certainly, I mean, giant we talked about this a couple weeks ago like superheroes battling giant adversaries is always like a plus and then you have two giant people fighting in like the outside of a prison like yeah i'm all for it like let's let's do it great visual there um and of course bizarro being there i don't know i don't get the context or how it makes sense but sure all right why not throw bizarro in there um you know maybe just somebody that is uh is powerful and and (laughs) they just wanted to draw draw into this episode i guess i will say i guess what we know is that uh since we last saw bizarro in superman the animated series uh he has uh, developed what i believe in 2020 he has become a simp for giganta (laughs) he simps for giganta uh who in turn simps for grod um so he, he even has a, a funny line, as we'll get to in voice acting, about how he'll help the woman he loves uh, do whatever she wants, including breaking her boyfriend out of prison. Um, but yes, that, that bit with uh, him and him fighting Wonder Woman. Again, it didn't have to be Bizarro. It could have been anybody, but it's kind of fun that they just threw that in there. Um, as we'll get to, there's another fun reason in voice acting. But yeah, other than that, yeah, we have the, the final battle between the Ultimen and the Justice League. Um, we got a cool little brief battle between Juice and uh, and Batman, uh, which is fun. And then probably the best part of the entire episode for me, or at least the coolest part, which is, as we mentioned, uh, the two Wonder Twin stand-ins, uh, Downpour and Shifter, have this battle. They basically flood a room. Uh, Shifter turns into a dinosaur. Uh, Aquaman's able to knock her out. And uh, in retaliation, Downpour just shoots like a giant jet stream of water at him, which, of course, Aquaman easily blocks before reminding Shifter that he is the king of the G-Darn ocean. <laughs> and uh, and then he uh, then he gets to show Aquaman gets to show off his pimp hand. Yeah, that was great. He gives him gives him the old backhand. Uh, this is this version of Aquaman. I think we already mentioned it is de- definitely feels like when they decided to go with the J- Jason Momoa version of of Aquaman. They they certainly lifted some from this because he is just one tough sob. And um, <laughs> we covered that a little bit in the Enemy Below. Uh, already plugged that one, you know, in the archives at dcaureview.com. But uh, you know, this one, this one, he's he's really really cool in this episode uh you know mm-hmm. from the from the get-go aquaman is just really really awesome in this episode i wrote down aquaman 
badass king of the seas. <laughs> that was yes, cool. that scene's great. Also, during that that fight with the lava monsters, he uh, we show off that his hook has a function beyond just looking cool, and that it, he shoots it, and it's got like a long rope attached to it, and he knocks uh, a couple of the lava monsters off with it before sort of retracting it. So he's, I guess he's installed that. He's installed that uh, since we he first installed the hook because we we weren't aware that that was something. But that's also something that was in main content DC continuity yes. that we had seen him do. So it's cool that they included that function into it as well. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I think I definitely think Aquaman's the standout. The final little bit there is Superman's trying to reason with uh, with Wind Dragon, and Wind Dragon begins to literally suck the oxygen out of. Uh, out of Superman's lungs is kind of a, a cool visual. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's some good stuff. I don't think anything stands out as awesome other than Aquaman. Uh, that being said, I, I don't, I think there is some, some cool stuff. Like we said, the, the background designs and everything. Uh, we get, again, we get sort of our first looks at like Cadmus facilities and stuff like that. Plus we get the, uh, the debut of, of Amanda Waller, um, I think there's a lot of uh, still a lot of fun stuff. Like I said, I like the the prison, the attempted prison break in the middle there. Uh, I settled on a seven out of ten for visuals. Nice. Uh, I went a little bit higher with that. There were some things that I I really enjoyed. There's a lot of uh, a lot of scenes in this episode that are lit by various different like mood lighting. Uh, there's some scenes that are lit specifically just by uh, screens uh you know mm-hmm. the rest of the room is dark and they're they're sort of backlit or frontlit by uh screen reflections so there's some weird hues over a couple of different scenes i always appreciate that it gives certain scenes a little bit more of a punch and things stand out and uh mm-hmm. certainly adds a little bit of atmosphere to those scenes so I, I appreciated that uh liam we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the introduction the three second introduction and uh only appearance of the whirly bat contraption <laughs> that batman uh flies as he enters the one of the final scene battle scenes here uh he's carrying aquaman on it and uh i in my notes i wrote what the f is batman flying (laughs) yeah so in this is like a a late 50s early 60s invention although they didn't really look like this but it was literally like a pedal powered single person helicopter that uh that batman and robin would fly around in sometimes uh called whirly bats and they sort of re repurposed that here into being this sort of like i don't know uh just like mini helicopter seat that he's flying in and that aquaman sort of hitches a ride on um it's 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 like it's like a earth version of like orion like a low-tech version of like orion's like rocket sled i guess that's yeah that's a good comparison it is completely and totally out of left field it never makes another appearance again it was funny on the (laughs) on the on the audio commentary for the return which we actually just covered in the archives at dcaureview.com uh, there is a uh, there, they comment uh, about that uh, in on that commentary, and Bruce Tim says that they spent in just an elaborate amount of time trying to trying to get this whirly bat looking right, and uh, fans just hated it, absolutely <laughs> hated it. So they wasted all this time for a three second or four second appearance of this invention, and fans ended up hating it, and it's never seen again. Well, I mean, like, why we could have just used his weird jetpack thing from World's Finest, right? Correct. 
Like we could have, I mean, Aquaman could have caught a ride on that, or we've established by now that Aquaman has a grappling hook, a literal grappling hook uh, for a hand. So like he could have just been swinging up towards it or something, or, you know, Superman or Wonder Woman could have been carrying him. Like, I feel like there's a lot of ways that Aquaman could have gotten into the building uh, <laughs> besides the, the road that they took, which is him hitching a ride on the whirly bat. But it is very wacky. Like I didn't have like some adverse reaction to it as apparently some fans did back when this aired, but it is a very wacky moment. Indeed. Uh, other, th- other than the whirly bat, I really enjoyed the, uh, certainly the, the manifestation of a lot of the different powers from the Ultimen. Um, as we mentioned, they, their powers are sort of uh, evolving as the, as, the, uh, as the show goes on here. And of course, we have uh, various different, uh, you know, the, the powers that were, that were illusions or homages to those super friends powers so of course wind dragon mm-hmm. uh who is the the stand-in for samurai as we already mentioned has the has the power of wind and that sort of evolves into also being able to maybe change the temperature also around him uh, of course juice has the uh, el- electricity manipulation power uh stand-in for black vulcan so his visualization of some of his powers is he so i like when he's they're sitting there watching tv and they're trying to break out of the cadmus the Cadmus, uh, the uh, Cadmus uh, holding chamber there, where he the electricity sort of crawls along the floor up the, up the wall and then destroys the camera. Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, but I think honestly, I think the the stars have to be downpour and shifter, and just their constant. Uh, as I said, downpour is just he's liquid pretty much the entire time. Various forms of liquid, and I think there are jokes to be had there between like tsunami i think at one point he says or like there it's just this it's the same thing it's just like tidal wave tsunami like just various different forms of large bodies of like can he turn into both salt and fresh water you think or well that's a that's a very good question Uh, i i I don't know i think we have to make up make up our minds here i'm gonna go with yes okay all right i think i think canon until proven otherwise yes (laughs) um but then, of course, uh, the fun part, I would say, or the, the shifter uh, turning into various different animals. We see a rhinoceros. We see a T-Rex that flo- that's fighting Aquaman underwater. Like, that's yeah, a weird sentence cool. to say. Aquaman fights a T-Rex underwater. <laughs> uh, we get a sea dragon also, or a sea serpent uh, making an appearance here. So really a lot of fun stuff there. A lot of fun visuals there. I thought visuals were the strongest, uh, strongest things in this episode. So I went ahead and gave visuals a very strong nine out of 10. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really good. Like I, like I said, I think earlier, but I'll reiterate here. Yeah. I went seven out of 10. There is, there's quite a few good things, but I guess, yeah, I, I was looking for maybe a little bit more, a uh, little bit more knockdown drag out action in that final bit. And like I said, we do get some cool stuff, but that's like we said, the, the, the time between, when wind dragon announces that they're going to kill the justice league to when that is resolved is it's all all happens in about two and a half minutes. So that's true. Um, and part of that, again, you can say is, is the constraints of a, a 22 minute cartoon versus the, you know, the 44 minutes they had in the original justice league run where every episode was, was split into two parts. But yeah, that, that being said, it's, there's still, as we've talked about quite a few uh, cool and, and fun things. I will just mention this again. And I'm, like maybe this is just the JLU Wonder Woman design. Maybe it was just tweaked and I hadn't noticed, but Wonder Woman still looks weird to me. 
like she still looked a little bit like off model to me in this episode um at least compared to maybe i'm maybe i'm just still thinking of like the season one justice league design or something but i feel like she was taller than most of the men on the team in the first season of justice league and now she isn't um i don't i don't know maybe i'm just imagining things one last thing i'll mention about visuals before we move on is that we didn't really mention was the 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 uniforms uh for the ultimate um they at least for downpour and shifter they have certainly have homages to uh, the wonder twins with the sort of the triangle logos and the coloring uh certainly their ears also uh very very uh invoke that that wonder twin look um mm-hmm. long shadow uh, obviously a stand-in for apache chief his is more i think as as tech native american or you know like south american uh native as opposed to uh sort of the what may have been more mm, racially insensitive uh, (laughs) interpretation of yes that character in the uh in the 70s and 80s uh and then uh the the other two similar but uh, different enough uh than i think than their stand-ins from the from the super friends but i thought their the uniforms also were were all pretty 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 cool looking yeah like juice kind of has like his his glasses or his mask kind of make a similar shape to black vulcan's mask uh, although thankfully juice gets to wear pants um <laughs> and then yes uh the the stand-in for samurai wind dragon he he's probably the most drastically different everyone else also as, gets to wear pants yes he gets to wear pants and also is he has like this very kind of futuristic, like very Power Rangers-y uh, uh, superhero suit that he's in. It's also a, a completely different color scheme of uh, like red and white as opposed to the sort of weird like green and orange suit that uh, Samurai had in the original Super Friends cartoons. But yeah, the, yeah, the designs of those are, are, are pretty striking and it, it does feel like this like weird corporate government run PR sanitized superhero team like <laughs> like like the way the way they're dressed and everything I think is, is it adds to that oh yeah totally all right Liam let's move on to our next category here which is going to be music uh so uh, as we've mentioned each and every week this soundtrack is not available to listen to in isolation but I I think this was the rare episode to me where uh, they did a good job in making the audio sort of stick out and sort of punctuate various scenes here. Uh, any musical notes for you? Uh, not a lot. I, I again, I, I like. Uh, I think the action music is is done pretty well throughout. Um, I like the musical cue when when Bizarro shows up, and they don't go quite the same way they did in in Superman the Animated Series, where they sort of play this awkward, like weird minor key version of the Shirley Walker theme but they still sort of play this very wacky sort of heroic theme, but played in a different key than a a hero theme would normally be played for Bizarro, which I think works really well for that category. And then the, the music as they're sort of learning about their, like when they, when they come face to face with the, you know, themselves in the, in the cloning tubes. um, I think there's, there's some good sort of dramatic, uh, music there some good use of strings there but uh yeah like i said I, th- I think the music is solid but i didn't have a ton of notes as far as what stood out to me but uh what about you 
Yeah, I thought I thought that there so there is a bit of an ultimate theme that plays throughout. If you hear it um, at the beginning, it's sort of played when they enter the scene uh, with the with the lava monsters. It's sort of played in a triumphant way and then kind of gets more sinister as the episode goes on. Um, and then they sort of work it in a little bit uh, in a more of a triumphant way again at the end when uh, Long Shadow joins the Justice League at the Watchtower. So, um, yeah, I, I think that, that that was the main notes that I had. There was some music also that played in that first interaction between Batman and Amanda Waller as Batman is sort of taunting her and she taunts him right back. Uh, there's some some music in that scene that really builds the tension of what's going to happen is the justice league gonna is the justice league gonna do battle here against the u.s government or how's this gonna go down so i felt that built the tension as well um and then there is there was a hint of the shirley walker superman theme that is played at the beginning uh as superman is battling one of the lava monsters they sort of form this magma rock around him uh, and uh, he's he's sort of being taunted by the Ultimate as being mm-hmm. being a little bit too old or you know maybe over the hill, and he sort of questions too old. And as he breaks out of it, there's just a very slight hint of the Shirley Walker Superman theme. Uh, so I appreciated that. Uh, other than that, you know, this is I I, I did catch that uh, the Ultimate theme was actually one of the I believe it was uh, Long Shadow's ringtone. Also, uh, <laughs> so they they sort of tied it into that as being sort of the corporate theme almost for the yeah. uh, for the Ultimate. So I appreciated that. Uh, overall, again, this would be another one that would be nice to be able to listen to in isolation to truly appreciate the whole you know, ultimate theme and the sort of reoccurring theme throughout. But with that said, I felt like music did play a prominent role in this, uh, certainly at at the end and certainly at at the parts where it needed to be. So I went with a pretty strong seven out of 10. Nice. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm right there behind you with a six out of 10. Um, it's, that's awesome. Yeah. That's definitely some notes that I would, uh, I would go back and then probably listen to after we record here just to get a a more full, full feel for it. But yeah, it's always great. We always talk about that when, certain episodes whether it's a character theme or just the episode itself having a unique theme uh, it really does kind of give it its own life and yeah that's a that's a great point awesome all right william let's wrap things up with our final score of the day that is going to be for our voice acting uh, i know that we have quite the large cast today with all these extra new oh, yeah. characters uh, so let's get into breaking down who's our who's in our voice cast this week so <laughs> deep breaths um, I'm just, I'm just going to start it with them. Just tear the bandaid off. Uh, Robert Foxworth as Alexander Hamilton. Uh, I know, I know in the credits, it says professor Emil Hamilton, but I assure you that must be a mistake. Um, <laughs> but anyway, placed him with a, with a imposter. And yes. we're the only ones to figure it out. That's yep. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the secret code, uh, <laughs> that no one else discovered 10 years later, uh, or 20 years later, almost now. But, uh, yes. <laughs> So he is in this episode briefly. So I just want to mention that because that's important, even though I don't really want to talk about it. Um, <laughs> and then we have, uh, we have, as we mentioned, the returning Scott Rommel as Aquaman. Uh, like we said, this is kind of a, a chance for him to show off a little bit more range with the character. Whereas in the enemy, the enemy below, which is the only other Aquaman episode we've reviewed thus far, he's very much more, sort of the noble it's a lot of talk about duty and i must protect my kingdom and 
and all that. And we do get to see him, sh- uh, you know, shine a little bit more, I think, in the second part of that episode, which certainly when he's confronting his brother and sort of dealing with the aftermath of, of, all, of that plot to kill him and his son. But here, uh, as, as we've talked about, he's, he's a lot closer to the Jason Momoa version where he's, he's really cool and he gets a lot of one-liners. He's very sarcastic and, and he's, a, he's a lot of fun in this episode. Looking forward to seeing some more of his, uh, his Aquaman in the future. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, this uh, eventually there was a similar to the Bat Villain embargo. I believe there was an Aquaman embargo placed uh, on the last couple seasons of Justice League Unlimited, which is why he kind of stopped showing up after a little bit, little bit here, and why uh, Black Manta wasn't able to be used in the in the final season. Um, but yeah, we still have a couple appearances, both in the original Justice League as well as one more in JLU that we get to talk about before we have to say goodbye. But yeah, I definitely think this is the uh, the most fun appearance we've had uh, so far of, of Aquaman and the couple that we've covered here. But other than that, we also have, uh, should mention, Tim Matheson as Maxwell Lord, who people would know from playing the vice president on The West Wing, uh, as well as you know numerous other television roles. Um, I think he's doing a great job. Yeah, he's really good. Because again, even in that first scene where he's just kind of being interviewed as like the PR face of the ultimate and he's kind of <laughs> nagging the justice league and, uh, and talk kind of talking up his guys. And then sort of every scene he's in, I feel like you get that feeling that he is literally saying whatever he has to say to make sure that he gets, gets like the best possible outcome out of whatever the situation is. And I think he does a good job with that. No, I think he's really, really good. I think that that's a shame. We don't get another appearance of him in, in the DCAU because it would have been interesting to see, him flesh out that character maybe get some comeuppance at some point because he sort of does get he i mean he gets a little bit he gets threatened by the ultimate as they are trying to kind of save their bacon but it doesn't it, you know we don't really get to see this the slimy uh the slimy billionaire get get his and that's always fun to see absolutely um and yeah rounding out the rest of our voice cast before we get to the Ultimen themselves, and the, of course, our main Justice Leaguers. We have Jennifer Hale making an appearance as Giganta. Of course, she also plays Killer Frost and several other roles throughout this series. Um, we have the first appearance, as mentioned, of Amanda Waller, played by uh, CCH Pounder, who uh, I believe also does the voice of Juice, <laughs> which is funny. <laughs> I was um, wondering. That's such a. I mean, we always we we always like struggle to where to put that this like sound design in, and I guess it sort yes. of slots itself into into voice acting. But the the voice effect that they put on Juice is really cool. Yes, it's really really cool, and it it makes him feel very very unique. Um, but yeah, apparently she also did did his voice as well. But yeah, people who know CCH Pounder, she's been on uh, some of the ncis shows she's been uh, she was in the most recent godzilla movie american godzilla movie i should say um as well as just a, a lot of other uh, tv and voice acting roles she's awesome i don't i think this is just kind of scratching the surface i think she's a little bit more over the top villain in this episode than some of her later appearances um but uh you know she that's again we talk about this a lot with the DCAU voices being the voices you hear if you read read a comic featuring that character but she she really does a great job of embodying that Amanda Walla character really from day one 
Yeah, I think you're you're spot on when you say that this is just the this is just scratching the surface. She's so and it, she's she comes off. Uh, this is a character, obviously, with the position that it's in that could teeter towards that danger of being a, a Saturday morning superhero cartoon. Like you could almost push the performance to that point because of the amount of power that this seemingly normal character has mm-hmm. uh, and influence and, and certainly the the it being the adversary to this super powered league of superheroes. And then you have this normal, you know, five foot tall government agent also that's (laughs) going to be, you're trying to convince me is their, their biggest adversary. The temptation certainly could be to cast somebody that has a voice that is, you know, needs to, to, to communicate that they're evil and they're, you know, (laughs) and, kudos to the goat obviously andrea romano has done this for a very long time and yes. can, you know why we sing her praises all the time she knew that this would be the perfect perfect casting for this character and cch pounder does such a great job of her performance coming through here being subtly like it's like subtly evil and this character i mean to me she could she could play this character in live action if need be like she agreed it's she's clearly does such a great job of communicating that uh, I don't know it's it's threatening without having to come out and specifically say what she's going to do. You just, she just carries this power in her voice um, despite her character maybe not looking like this formidable foe. So it it all comes through that voice acting and like you said, we have her best work. She does a great job in this episode, but certainly her best work is in front of her in this series. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and moving on to our ultimate cast, we have uh, Gray Delisle, although I believe now she goes by Gray Griffin as both Downpour and Shifter. Um, just an incredibly prolific voice actress. She voiced uh, Catwoman in the Batman Arkham games. She voices uh, Daphne in several of the Scooby-Doo cartoons over the last 20 years or so. Uh, did voices on on Samurai Jack, uh, uh, Billy and Mandy, a lot of different uh, cartoons. If you if you watched a cartoon anytime or played a video game anytime in about the last twenty years, you probably heard her voice. And uh, she does a good job as playing. You know, she's playing a brother and a sister, so she gets to do kind of two unique voices. Uh, and I think she does a good job with that. Yeah, they they're they there's one scene that they get to sort of interact with each other talking about lamenting being teen idols. They're tired <laughs> of being teen idols and uh Max Lord presents them with a with a ch- royalty check and uh they sort of quiet down after that. But I yeah, I, I thought that playing dual roles is always a difficult thing and certainly differentiating enough between a, a male and a female uh is is also its own its own sort of weight to carry and I thought she does a great job. Agreed. And uh, our last two here, and I wanted to point this out, Cal, we've talked about this before in certain episodes of Batman, but this is maybe our first time talking about in Justice League. Um, They made the decision, uh, obviously based on who they were uh, sort of uh, avatars for from that Super Friends cartoon. Uh, Wind Dragon is uh, seemingly of Asian descent uh, and Long Shadow, of course, being of uh, some sort of uh, Native American descent. And so they went out and they cast uh, James Shee as Wind Dragon, who folks would know from being the voice of Jackie Chan on Jackie Chan Adventures, um, as as Wind Dragon. And they cast uh, Greg Rainwater 
as Long Shadow. Um, and I do think it's worth pointing out again, this now obviously by the mid 2000s, this was less commonplace, but uh, casting actual Native Americans, casting people, you know, if you're going to cast or make characters that are a certain ethnicity, to actually cast actors uh, of that ethnicity to play those characters was not always commonplace. Uh, you know, as we've probably, if you've seen things about like, you know, The Simpsons is recasting voices after 20 years because they had a white guy playing an Indian person and things like that. Um, it's, it is, I think, cool and good that even back in, I guess, 2004, 2005, that, uh, that Andrea Romano and, and the, the people working on these shows felt it was important to actually cast uh, uh, Asian Americans, and in this case, a Native American in the roles that would represent that, those characters to them. Greg Rainwater as Long Shadow certainly gets a little bit more to do uh, than most of the other Ultimate in this episode, um, based on his multiple scenes. Uh, I, I think he does a pretty good job. He has that sort of natural uh, immatureness to him, as you mentioned, the sort of schoolboy crush that he seems to have on Wonder Woman. He's very kind of unsure of himself and is kind of like stammering over his words when he when he tells her that he wants to work with her and 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 going from that to sort of that those final moments of the episode where he's where he's kind of yelling at, at Wind Dragon that you know Superman was at least at one point was your hero. You don't have to do this. And and I, I think the the dichotomy between the two and as we mentioned it sort of breaks down throughout the episode of, of Long Shadow wanting to join the Justice League and and Wind Dragon kind of being very dismissive and kind of in some ways sort of openly hostile towards the Justice League. I, I think they both do a good job. Yeah, I think I think their interactions and sort of their almost switching of roles here at the beginning. Wind Dragon is clear, clearly the face of the Ultimate. He's the spokesperson. He's the one out in front, sort of answering questions after this lava monster attack. And then throughout, uh, you know, we see Long Shadow sort of come out of his shell a little bit, and he, he becomes more. Uh, more of the leader for the group and trying to he's the reason why they're able to rally and figure out that all this stuff begins and when he's able to show a little bit more emotion uh, and certainly you know him him trying to talk down the Ultimen from this idiotic plan to fight the Justice League <laughs> uh, I think that him being able to show emotion and sort of disappointment and sort of confusion as to where they are and why they're doing this uh, certainly is his opportunity and so yeah he does a really good job yeah, I agree. And then just wrapping it up, we have our Trinity, that being George Newbern, who gets to play not only Superman, but we get I, what I believe would have to be his first time getting to play Bizarro. Of course, we talk about, uh, if you can go back and listen to uh, the episode we did where we covered uh, Bizarro's debut in Superman the Animated Series, talked about kind of how fun and wacky uh, Tim Daly's Bizarro voice is. And uh I think George Newbert, it's different. It's not quite so over the top as Tim Daly's is, but it's it's still fun to see sort of his take on that bizarro voice, I think. And of course, we have uh, Susan Eisenberg as Wonder Woman. Again, uh, it's funny, a lot of these these kind of season one episodes that we've covered so far have kind of featured her very prominently, and um, which is obviously a good thing, both because the character is great and because Susan Eisenberg uh, continues to be very, very good in the role uh, and great most of the time. And, and this is no exception here. Like we said, she kind of, of the main leaguers, uh, she kind of has the most due because she has this subplot where she's working with uh, Long Shadow and they have a scene after they've stopped Giganta where they're sort of sitting and, and, and Long Shadow is talking about what we later find out are sort of these implanted memories of his childhood. And 
and she's she's encouraging him and and then the ending i think the very the very last line of the episode right before long shadow dies um is uh, when when wonder woman uh just he they teleport into the watchtower we get this big awesome shot of you know the, the watchtower and all its glory we see tons of cameos from various other members of the league and then wonder woman just turns back and says welcome to the justice league and uh and we you know long shadow has this big smile on his face and uh yeah i, I think susan eisberg does a great job in this episode welcome to the justice league yeah, she she carries the bulk of the, I think the bulk of it. Um, maybe Superman has as much to carry, but she carries the bulk of the load here for the Justice League themselves. So I, I think her interactions with uh, with Long Shadow are great, and uh, yeah, she does it. She she as I said at the beginning, she's the one who's certainly willing to give the Justice League or the Ultimen rather their their due and and see and and more trusting of them where Batman and Superman and Aquaman are more on the fence and maybe even leaning towards them being more sinister and uh so her her sort of appealing to that despite the fact that maybe we've seen her just last week kind of fed <laughs> up kind of fed up with man's world and maybe not as trusting she's she's learned from that episode and maybe has has uh you know, her, a little bit of her innocence is renewed in her belief in, in the greater good versus just assuming that everything's going bad. So it was interesting to see that dynamic play out again. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. Superman does get some, some fun bits, as we mentioned. Uh, this also is very mildly seems to take a little bit from, and I never, I didn't read anything that said this was intentional, but there is a Superman story called uh, what's so funny about truth, justice in the American way. Um, which was later made into a animated movie called Superman versus the elite. Um, but it's basically the, the basic idea is a brand new young hip superhero team shows up and they kind of take away Superman's thunder and kind of make him look like a, you know, make kind of embarrass him a little bit. And, and people sort of, it, it leads to this question of is Superman still relevant and, and modern. And we get just a little touch of that. Like we said at the beginning with, with wind dragon sort of mocking, mocking Superman for, for being over the hill. And, and as they're doing this press conference and, and wind dragon has given this sort of very, uh, very over the top message about how we must not disturb nature and our quest for, you know, finding sources of energy or whatever. And even Superman, the ultimate farm boy who still believes in Santa Claus uh, is, is like, Oh my gosh, this is so corny. Like he, even Superman can't take <laughs> the ultimate, uh, as earnest as they appear to be at the start of the episode. And as you mentioned, his, his back and forth with, uh, with Scott Rummel's Aquaman. And of course, Kevin Conroy is Batman um, as they're sort of discussing uh, Max Lord and the Ultimate is, is, is pretty fun too. But yeah, not a lot for uh, Kevin Conroy to do. Although I will mention, I have to assume this is the one episode where he gets to utter a very classic uh, Batman uh, utterance, which is old chum. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I loved that. It was so good. Yes. At the start of the episode, uh, Long Shadow refers to that to them as old chums. And then later on, after 
Batman has defeated Juice, he he kind of throws it back on them and and you gets to use that phrase, which of course uh, Batman would normally refer to mostly Robin, but several of uh, his associates over the years as chums and or old chum, and uh, that's that's a very classic thing, obviously made very popular by the Adam West Batman and and sort of the comics of that era. So I was like, well, if nothing else, even though he doesn't have a lot to do in this episode, we do get to hear Kevin Conroy say "old chum," so that's pretty cool. Yeah, that was that was pretty awesome. I I appreciated that. So, I I guess this will bring us to our final scores or for our scores here, Liam, for our voice acting uh, with with the large cast, with everybody doing such a great job, and uh, you know, with some fun to be had in the midst of it. I went ahead and gave voice acting a nine out of ten. Nice, and uh, you know, it's a good thing that Robert Foxworth is only in it for about thirty seconds this week because I was actually still willing, despite his appearance, to give it a perfect ten out of ten. Oh, love it, absolutely love it. You were able to look past, move past your Professor Hamilton, uh, <laughs> you know, the new Professor Hamilton. Uh, hatred to to give it a, a, a good score. Hashtag not my Hamilton. <laughs> um, <laughs> Love doesn't it. work quite as well as not my Alfred did, but you know what? Whatever. That's a that's a callback to our very early episodes. But uh, yeah, yeah. Overall, I, I think uh, a really strong, a very strong voice performance by uh, by just about everybody in the uh, in the cast there. So love it. Yeah, man. Absolutely. All right, Liam, tallying up our scores here at the end, we end up with a, or I end up, not we, I end up with a very, uh, very impressive 31 out of 40 for this week's episode. And I am just a bit behind you there with a 30 out of 40. Um, As far as getting into rewatchability goes, I think, yeah, um, like we said, even though this doesn't work so well as a standalone piece, it is very, obviously, a lot of the a lot of the elements here come back later on in almost every episode of the second season of Justice League Unlimited. So yeah, I think this is this is pretty high up on the on the must watch if you're if you're going through Justice League Unlimited. Yeah, I agree. It's a must watch because of the introduction of Cadmus, like the official introduction of Cadmus here. Uh, we certainly the Ultimate come back into play later on even though it's not this incarnation of them uh amanda waller obviously a very important part (laughs) going forward uh so yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and say this is a must watch agreed all right liam let's wrap things up thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode uh thank you so much for listening to us don't forget subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app google Podcasts, apple Podcasts, spotify iHeartRadio. we are all there if you can leave us a review on apple podcasts five stars are awesome but if you don't think we deserve five stars that's okay let us know what you like what you don't like uh, we very much appreciate that and if you've left a review before you can leave another review so that will also help us so if you're feeling generous go ahead and do that don't forget to also follow us on our social media at DCAU Review, Instagram and Twitter. As I mentioned, Liam runs our Twitter page, does a great job over there. We're always talking about all things DCAU, even venturing into standard DC universe continuity and everything that's happening these days over there. Liam, let us preview, shall we, next week's episode. We alluded to it at the beginning of the episode that we will not be continuing with Justice League Unlimited at this point. We will be saying adieu, at least temporarily, 
Philly here until we cover it the next time. So that means that with our fifth Saturday in October, we are going to be covering an Elseworlds episode coming up next week. That's right. And this is one that has been uh, requested a few times going way back to uh, early on on the podcast when we first started introduced the concept of doing Elseworlds episodes. So next week for the fifth Saturday in October, we will in fact be covering the first two episodes of Young Justice entitled Independence Day. Awesome. Yeah, this is one. Uh, obviously, Young Justice has quite the following, uh, almost a cult-like following that has brought it back from the dead seemingly several times. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I think I may have watched this episode one time. Uh, I didn't, haven't really gotten into Young Justice. So kind of going in fresh uh, with this one. I'm, I'm really excited about that. What, uh, what about you? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I didn't watch a ton of the series. I was sort of aware of it and sort of watched I, I can remember watching a little bit of it um but i was never like a giant fan either so yeah i, I look forward to uh, going into this with somewhat fresh eyes and kind of seeing the origins of another beloved take on uh, a lot of these characters going to be awesome don't forget also if you want to support the podcast head over to dcaureview.com click on our shop you can buy a t-shirt you can buy a hat buy a sweatshirt support the podcast since we don't do ads here but until next week i am cal and i'm liam we'll talk to you on the next episode of the dcau review bye bye